Greetings to all my cool cats and cool kittens. They try to copy our style, but they stay frostbitten. You are now tuned to the sounds of CFRE 91.9 FM and on the World Wide Web at CFREradio.com. It is your man, DM Cool, and welcome to Cool Radio. What we do is Y'all, greetings once again. I am your man DM Cool, and you are now tuned into Cool Radio. Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody. Tell a friend to tell a friend because we are live on the airwaves of CFREradio.com and CFRE Radio 91.9 FM. If you're listening on to the UTM campus, you already know how we do. Now, speaking of which, actually, I normally start off the show with a, with a nice little banger for y'all to uh, get warmed up to, but I'm cutting straight to the chase uh, this time around because, first and foremost, I will be holding down the studio solo, which gives me a lot of room to talk about a lot of things I've been getting on my chest lately. Um, so coming up on today's show, we will be talking about the mishandling of the Black Lives Matter movement. We will be talking about Diddy apparently not getting along with Biggie's daughter, Tiana. Uh, we will be discussing Tyga. We will be discussing a whole lot more in between. But before we get to all that, we must get into what is kind of eating away at my core right now or has been away at my core for the past week or so. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, it is time to let that ish breathe. Let this bitch breathe. Yes, this edition of Let That Ish Breathe is brought to you by you, the people, because as the people's champ, it is my duty to give the people what they want, and what they want is what they will get. So this week and many other weeks in the past, Pardon me. FYI, I'm a little sick, so forgive me. Um, I have been noticing a lot of discussions been popping up about the dreaded term known as cultural appropriation. All right. Now, what I've noticed for the most part in the past and even still to this day, that people are mishandling the usage of that word and they're basically using it like a get out of jail free card whenever they see fit that it best suits their own personal narrative. Now, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because of something that happened, I guess you could say, during this past week. And basically what happened was a new picture of Justin Bieber surfaced on the net and it was basically him rocking dreadlocks. And as you all know, dreadlocks is a popular hair fashion that is worn by black people predominantly. Now, a lot of people, a lot of black people especially, are crying out wolf about how it's cultural appropriation. He's taking the hairstyle, he's making it his own, and white people are getting the credit for it, and black people are being demonized for it. And I've been saying this ever since I started talking about this, and I'm still going to stick to the same narrative because it's a fact, that you cannot blame one person for cultural appropriation, okay? Cultural appropriation is a term that is used heavily and predominantly by the media to allocate black attributes or attributes of other minorities and attribute them to white people and glorify them in that sense. So you cannot blame Iggy Azalea if people are giving her 
or if the if the media is giving her praise for a big booty or something like that, or if the media is giving praise Kim Kardashian for big lips, you don't blame Kardashian for that. You blame the general media. And so the fact that Bieber is getting the blame for cultural appropriating couldn't be further from the truth. I think it's not fair on him. Yes, he does a lot of stupid things, but him as a white guy rocking dreadlocks shouldn't be something that he should be demonized for by the black community. I don't think it's fair that we should do that because let's put things into perspective for a second. If we're going to judge white people for rocking dreadlocks, a predominantly black hairstyle, then we should kind of get at black people who rock weave because first and foremost, weave is not a black thing. Weave is something that has been has been used to mimic uh, other hairstyles of other cultures. For example, like long stringy hair does not belong to white people. That's or sorry, does not belong to black people. Pardon me. That's something that's more indicative of white people. That's more something indicative of Asian people. And that's another thing too. A lot of a lot of black women, in particular, who get their weave done, it's done with Asian hair, whether it's Southeast Asian, whether it's North Asian, whatever the case may be, it's usually done with Asian hair. So with that being said, or with that precipice in mind, should we now condemn black women for cultural appropriating other cultures with usage of hair? Of course, we should under that logic, but we shouldn't even be doing that to begin with in the first place. If anything, we should be more defining the differences between cultural appropriation and cultural appreciation. I'm going to get to that later. Now, continuing on, continuing on with the double standards and what have you, what I've been hearing this past week especially, as opposed as far as um, weave and what have you is concerned, <coughs> you know, I, along with, along, of, along with other people, pardon me, have been bringing up the fact that you know, people do demonize others for cultural appropriation, but then they don't demonize themselves if they themselves are guilty of it. So I brought up, I brought up black women and and how they use weave and put blonde in their weave and what have you. And that's mostly indicative of white people because of the fact that it's white people that you normally see with blonde hair and blue eyes, whereas you see some black women who have the blonde weave with the blue context to try and mimic that. But then there are going to be some black people out there, and I've been hearing this for the longest time, especially this past week, that there is a tribe that is indigenous to Australia that have the traits of dark skin, blonde hair, and blue eyes, which are all natural. That's all well and good, but are you a descendant of that tribe? No? If you aren't, then you cannot use that as a scapegoat. That's not fair. That's like me saying, oh, well, because, you know, my cousin from this generation, from, from the 15th century, used to rock his hair like this. That means I'm allowed to do that as well. No, because at the end of the day, the blood has been so diluted down to the point where you're going to find very little lineage at all to begin with. And if you have no lineage at all to that tribe, to that aforementioned tribe that was in Australia, then you cannot claim that. You cannot use that as your own. That is what I believe that a lot of people will use cultural appropriation to benefit their own narrative so that they can do what they see fit. So if they want to walk around with a blonde weave, for, for, for example, then they're going to use that as their trump card, therefore giving them more credence to do so. But that's not right, because at the end of the day, you can't use that same logic to pardon yourself and to condemn someone else at the same time. It's very contradictory of you to do so. So that's why I have an issue with cultural appropriation in terms of the way people use that term. Now, I'm going to show you the correct way of how to use that term. Remember last year when uh, that woman by the name of Rachel Dolezal was a white woman masquerading as a black woman so that she could participate in different black movements like Black Lives Matter and NAACP? That right there is cultural appropriation. Never mind the charitable acts that she did. Never mind the fact that she taught at different universities and stuff like that. The fact that she woke up every day 
put a kinky wig on, darkened up her skin a little bit so that she could at least pass as, you know, mixed or biracial, and then taught in these classes or what have you, that is cultural appropriation right there because she is trying to pass off as another race so that she can gain acceptance within that race and to try and take on the attributes, whether it be physical or mental in that regard. That is cultural appropriation because at the end of the day, she can take off her wig, you know, take off the makeup and all that stuff if she doesn't feel like getting pulled over by the police one day. You know what I'm saying? So that right there is cultural appropriation. As I said earlier in the broadcast, the media praising white people for certain attributes that are allocated back to people of other minorities, but then demeaning those minorities for having those natural attributes, that is cultural appropriation. But if you see somebody who is, let's say, I'm just going to say German, for example, and they're wearing let's say like a charm bracelet or, some, or something of that sort that is traditionally Chinese, for example, for all we know, that could be cultural appropriation be, or sorry, cultural appreciation, pardon me, because of the fact that they may have an appreciation for the Chinese culture and they may be interested and intrigued by it. So if I see a white person rocking dreadlocks, I'm not going to care one bit. If he, if he wants to rock dreadlocks, he can do him. Because first and foremost, I have no reason to judge since I myself have never rocked dreadlocks before. And secondly, dreadlocks is not part of my specific ethnic culture. If everyone knows that dreadlocks are part of the Rastafarian culture, which was technically originated in Ethiopia, then made its way to Jamaica, depending on how you want to look at it. And basically, there is a huge religious context with dreadlocks. I guarantee that a lot of people in the southern United States of America, particularly the black people, they are just rocking it for a fashion trend and they don't really know the meaning behind it. I doubt Lil Wayne, 2 Chains, and Future knows the true meaning of dreadlocks. So if that's the case and if we are persecuting white people and other people who are non-black who are rocking dreadlocks under that pretense, then why can't we hold those same black people who don't know that much about dreadlocks accountable? That's all I'm saying. Let's just keep it a spade, a spade, for example. Let's keep it 100. Let's keep it equal. Let's not demean others just to, just to suit our own benefit. Because at the end of the day, that does not benefit anyone, and it's not fair to anyone. So, based on that, let me know what you think. Hit me up on Twitter at DM underscore cool or cool underscore radio and let me know what you think. I'm sure there are a ton of points that I missed because I've gone through this issue so many times over and over again, and I hope on the air at least, unless someone goads me into it, that this will be the last time that I mention this because cultural appropriation is nothing but a scapegoat for people to latch on to whenever it best suits their narrative, in my opinion. But anyways, we are going to cut to a commercial break, and when we come back, we are going to talk about the Black Lives Matter movement and some of the flaws that have been bestowed upon that movement, so to speak. I'm going to get into a whole lot of that and a whole lot more. Uh, but before we get to all that, course i'm gonna play some canadian content for you guys um this one actually before we get to the canadian content we're gonna get to some of our american brethren over here and this one comes from an artist by the name of big crit one of my favorite rappers in the game right now and this is off of his latest effort which is entitled it's better this way this one is called peace on chain we'll be right back after these messages yeah yes yes y'all welcome back to the show you are now tuned to the sounds of CFRE 91.9 FM and on the World Wide Web at CFREradio.com. 
It is your man, GM Cool, and welcome back to Cool Radio. Once again, folks, I apologize. I do have a little bit of a cold, so forgive me if you hear me coughing or anything like that. Uh, that was Big Crit with Peace on Chain off of his latest effort, which is entitled It's Better This Way. And before we cut to commercial break, if you guys are just tuning in, welcome. Um, I was discussing cultural appropriation and the mishandling of that term, basically. Uh, so if you missed that, don't worry. I will upload the entire podcast in its uh, entirety. Um, later on this week, and also I will be—I do have this filmed right now, so you'll get the video of that as well if you want to see my pretty face. <laughs> but nonetheless, we're going to keep things moving. Actually, before we keep things moving, though, there's one point that I wanted to hit upon that I missed that needs to be addressed right now. And basically, what I wanted to say to cap off what I said about cultural appropriation is the fact that if you live in a diaspora, such as North America, for example, you're going to come across many different cultures, whether they be ethnic cultures, social cultures, etc., etc. And because of that, many cultures are going to intertwine with one another. So if you go into your local food court in your local mall, for example, you're going to see all types of different food, whether it be Mediterranean, Asian, whatever the case may be. You're going to come across that. So should we deem that as cultural appropriation? I don't think so. I think, once again, I'm going to bring this up. Cultural appropriation and culture, cultural appreciation are two different things. So let's bear that in mind, and let's bear in mind the fact that we are going to commingle with one another. And when we do, this is what's known as a global village or a melting pot of sorts. So I believe that people need to bear that in mind when it comes to things of this nature. So once again, some cool for thought for you. <coughs> Pardon me. Now... Let's get to the uh, main event. So if you caught my post on social media about a couple hours ago, I let you guys know that I wanted to discuss uh, the mishandling and the misdirection that I've seen the Black Lives Matter movement take from time to time. I also mentioned that I may lose some listeners because of this, but at the end of the day, the truth needs to be said. So what inspired me to want to talk about this tonight uh, this, ki- this came by way of a post uh, earlier this week from CP24, actually, and they did an interview with a representative of the Black Lives Matter movement uh, chapter in Toronto. Now, I'm going to give you the, the story of how all this went down. In February, uh, the co-founder of that movement, who goes by the name, and I'm just looking for the name right now, she goes by the name of Yuzra Kogali, and she made a... Violent statement to say the least. Like I'm not even trying to paint this in a negative light, but I'll let you guys, you know, be the judge of it for yourselves. And she released this tweet in February, and I quote: "Please Allah, give me strength to not cuss slash kill these men and white folks out here today. Please, please, please." Now we are not sure what led. Yuzra to make this comment what event she was at but nonetheless as the leader of a peaceful organization you cannot make such a violent statement like that now sure she could have meant it as some sort of satirical joke or she could have said it all in the name of sarcasm but nonetheless you can't read emotions through text so that is why you have to be very careful of what you say on twitter or on any social media platform especially when you're the leader of an organization such as black lives matter now anyways we're going to get into that in a little bit later um so what happened initially why the main reason why this is getting uh, traction is because a reporter from uh 1010 news talk radio discovered this tweet and basically put it out there in the open for the rest of the media world to see and once that was done 
the person who made that tweet, Yuzra, she took it down from her Twitter page, basically. And this happened earlier this week, her taking it down or what have you. So CP24 wanted to get into this, and they wanted to discuss why the statement was made, how it was made, the direction that they want to go with that statement, what have you. So they asked one of their representatives from the BLM movement uh, to hop on the show and discuss their reasoning for that. They tried to get in contact with Yezra, but she declined. So they got someone else instead to uh, take a place to discuss why um, they may have said this. And so the person that they got was a rep by the name of Sandy Hudson. Now, she came onto the show, and from the very jump, she was very defiant uh, with wanting to answer why she made the statement and instead relate to other things as well. And this is what Sandy said uh, while she was on CB24. And I quote, she said, I won't comment on it. It would be besmirching the memory of Andrew Loku, of, Jer- of Jermaine Carby, and the people who have died in our community. Uh, she, went, she also went on to say that the tweet was not within the public's interest. I'll get to that later on. She also said, this is tabloid. It's not public interest news. It's not news. What is in the public interest is what our decision makers are going to be doing to ensure that black folks are not discriminated against unfairly targeted, dehumanized, and killed by police services in our city and country. Now, here's what I have to say about that statement right there. Mind you, the statements were kind of spread throughout the interview, <clears throat> throughout the course of the interview, rather. While I do understand and agree exactly where she's coming from, because the fact that unarmed black people have been gunned down, unrightfully so, with no process trial for these officers, what have you, while I do agree with that, her main issue, in my opinion, is that she stuck with that narrative the entire 10 to 11 minutes of that interview. She made her points valid and clear within the first three, four minutes of the of the interview, and she should have left it at there, and she should have attempted to answer for the tweet that was put out there, but she didn't. She continued on with that narrative and refused to... I wouldn't say take responsibility for that tweet, but she at, she at least refused to answer on the behalf of her fellow co-founder, which I found was, you know, a little disappointing to say the least. And I'm going to say this because of the fact that, once again, you have your co-leader or co-founder, rather, of an organization that is meant to bring upon information and light about what is happening with black people in disenfranchised areas of North America, when you, have, when you have a group like that and you make a violent statement such as the one that she made, whether it's satirical or not, it's going to bring a bad representation of that movement that you're trying to create. And I, for once, stand for Black Lives Matter because at the end of the day, this is something that needs to be widespread. But at the same time, it needs to be done, <clears throat> pardon me, it needs to be done in a tactful manner. That was far from tactful. From my understanding of that tweet and what it looked like what it looked like you know from outside looking in it looked very militant and it looked like it was drawn from an emotional response basically now i understand that emotion is warranted but when you when you are speaking to certain public figures or you're speaking to media outlets in general you have to explain it in a very tactful manner and you have to be careful of what type of rhetoric you are using when you are trying to explain your stance in that matter because if you don't and you come across as some sort of vigilante for example then it's going to fall on deaf ears and it's going to make your movement look that much worse 
There are people in America who feel like Black Lives Matter movement is some sort of terrorist organization, and that couldn't be further from the truth. But when you make a statement like, please Allah, give me the strength not to kill these white people, you are giving them reason to believe that it is a terrorist organization if they are not educated on the matter. So you can't give them fuel for their fire is what I'm trying to say. And this is not the first time that a representative from BLM has made the wrong choice in trying to make an impact. I remember as far back as last year when Bernie Sanders was doing a rally. I can't remember in which city. But then you had two black individuals came in, basically bum-rushed him off the stage, and basically started talking about what needs to be done within the black community. I get that. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, you're doing it to the wrong person. That's Bernie Sanders. He's the only one of these candidates that actually gives a damn about about black people, basically. You're doing it to the wrong person. And even if you're doing it to the right person, you still need to have some sort of strategy behind that. And that brings me to Hillary Clinton. Now, I remember there was a statement that Hillary came out with in 1994 or 95, somewhere around that time. It had something to do with uh, black, young black males are predators and they, they need to be brought to justice to heal. Now, obviously, a lot of black people got offended by that. But at the same time, some of those black people who confronted Hillary Clinton about it, they didn't do it in a tactful manner. Now, whether or not they were part of the BLM movement, that's, that's here or there, basically. Like, that's up for debate. We don't know that for a fact. But the way they confronted her was very emotional. It was very confrontational and it just made their efforts go for not basically so when you are given the opportunity to speak to someone like hillary clinton one-on-one face-to-face you got to compose yourself you got to be tactful or else these people aren't even going to care about what you have to say and they're and your words are going to fall on deaf ears and they're not going to take you seriously and that's what i'm trying to say pardon me, about this BLM movement because some people don't take it seriously because of statements like that. And I feel like, um, I feel like Sandy could have done a better job in trying to make her point come across. She at least should have just explained to the best of her ability what that statement meant because at the end of the day, that was not tabloid. Kim Kardashian talking about how she got a new ass implant, that's tabloid. And she also mentioned that this is not in public interest. Oh, no, 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 no. This is definitely in public interest because the public now knows whether they are educated about BLM or not. They know that they now see a possible radical within your group. And if I were the BLM BLM chapter in Toronto, I would investigate the hell out of what this person meant behind that tweet and then take action with that person, so to speak. Because they do not need someone like that spearheading their campaign or else all their efforts will go in vain. And that's a guarantee. Now, I had a debate with somebody about this uh, yesterday, actually, when I posted it on the Cool Radio fan page. Make sure you like it on Facebook, by the way. Cool Radio, the word cool, all in caps. Just putting it out there. And basically, I'm not going to go into the entire details of that debate. Um, You can check it out for yourselves. Uh, But one of the things that, you know, this loyal uh, listener mentioned was how it's somewhat comparable to Trump and how Trump is racist, but no one gives him uh, any type of, you know, uh, reprimand for it. But I disagree because of the fact that Donald Trump and his campaign and the BLM chapter in Toronto are two completely different entities. The main difference is the fact that we all know that Trump is a racist. We all know that he's a fascist, a dictator of sorts. It's not that we're just finding this out right now. We've known this for years. He discriminates against anyone that isn't white. So if you're black, if you're Muslim, if you're a woman, hell, he wants Muslim people to wear badges on their damn chest like it's freaking the Holocaust all over again. 
We know he's a racist bigot. We know that. And this is no surprise. It's disappointing that he has a legion of followers that feel this way. But at the end of the day, that we know his campaign is filled with hateful rhetoric. That has been the standard of his campaign ever since he began it. Now, as far as Black Lives Matter Toronto is concerned, they are not a hateful campaign movement. They are supposed to be a peaceful campaign brought upon to bring about certain injustices to the light of the rest of society. But when you have a person in your camp who just so happens to be the co-founder who, is, who has said these hateful things about people of other races, in, in this case white people, then that basically changes the status quo of what your organization is supposed to be about. And that is a problem. And that was a problem that I was trying to illustrate to the listener in question. So, no, there are no similarities between the two. They are worlds apart. Uh, from that standpoint. And also, I had a conversation with one of my friends uh, earlier today. Shout out to my homegirl, Kayla. Um, and basically, she mentioned how she went to a Black Lives Matter movement with her brother and her mother. Now, keep in mind that this person is biracial, okay? So both her and her brother are biracial and her mother is white. They came, they went to one of the movements in North York. And she told me how she overheard some people judging her mother just because she's white and how she doesn't deserve to be here and all those things in between. You do not, I'm not saying that that was, that was said by the, the leader of the campaign. I'm sure it was just some followers who said that. But even then, when you say something like that, that devalues and destroys the entire purpose of what your campaign is about. Because not only are you trying to bring awareness to people of your own community, of course, but you're trying to bring awareness to people who are on the outside looking in, especially white people. And white people have something called white privilege. And basically, that means that they are given the benefit of the doubt and they do not have to go through certain hardships that people of color have to go through. So when you want them to understand what you guys go through on a daily basis, that you can't say demeaning things about someone who is not black, who was at your rally, because they want to show their support, but when you're not giving them the opportunity to do that, then once again, you're defeating the purpose of what your movement is all about. So in closing to this segment, just hold up the, the, the BLM movement with a sense of integrity because at the end of the day, people will not take it seriously if you're spewing out hateful rhetoric like wanting to kill white folks. You, do not take the Malcolm X by any means necessary approach because that is not going to work. It did not work for him. It's not going to work in 2016. I understand that a lot of black people are upset, they're angry, they're frustrated, they're sad, tormented by what black people have had to go through within, for since how long? I can't even, I mean, we can go for days. This goes back from slavery up until now, but especially with the recent current events that have happened within the last, last uh, five years, for example, give or take. But nonetheless, you need to take that emotion, compartmentalize it, and use it for the greater good. Because shouting in people's faces, demeaning the people who you're trying to go up against and trying to help understand, it's not going to help. And you're going to go into this endless carousel of not getting results, basically. So it's important that all black people who are a part of this Black, black Lives Matter movement, they need to understand that, especially the people who are considered to be the leaders and the figureheads of that movement, whether they're in Toronto, New York, London, Tokyo, it does not matter. You all have to have that same uniform stance in mind. Do you agree with me? Do you disagree with me? Hit me up on Twitter at DM underscore cool or cool underscore radio and let me know what you think.
Coming up after the break, we're going to move into a more lighthearted section, which is Trip Talk. We're going to talk about Diddy not getting along with Biggie's daughter, Tiana. We're going to talk about Tyga and whatever situation he's in right now. We're also going to talk about Drake and Future going up on the charts after a, uh, Twitter, uh, sorry, a Taylor Swift nudge on the shoulder, if you know what I mean. All that and more. But before we get to that, we have some more Canadian content to get to. And this one comes by way of Melanie Durant. And this one is called Goodbye. So keep it locked. This is Cool Radio. I'll be right back after these messages. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. You're now tuning to the sounds of CFRE 91.9 FM and on the World Wide Web at CFREradio.com. It is your man, DM Cool. And welcome back to Cool Radio. Uh, shouts to uh, former... Uh, co-host of the show, Jay Kareem. He just messaged me in my DMs uh, on Facebook um, after my explanation of how Black Lives Matter needs to improve and such. This man messaged me and said, they're coming for you. <laughs> it's all it's all love. But honestly, like I feel like this type of discussion needs to be had uh, when it comes to the improvements of that movement. And if you guys feel differently than what I just uh, said uh, within the past 15 minutes, and please feel free to message me on Twitter at DM underscore cool or cool underscore radio. And we can get into some healthy dialogue most definitely. But nonetheless, we're going to keep things moving now. We're going to go to the more uh, entertainment-centric portion of the show. And this one is called Trip Talk. So that's three topics in three minutes. And with that being said, let's get to the first topic. So Biggie's daughter, Tiana, is claiming that Diddy does not do anything for her family. So this is a pretty um, strong accusation that she is making. But nonetheless, we are not there to witness anything. So maybe she's right, maybe she's wrong, who knows. But nonetheless, this statement comes after the fact that um, Diddy is now is now organizing a, a, uh, a concert at the Barclays Center for Biggie's, I think it's his birthday? Uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, but nonetheless, they're yes, it's his birthday actually. So they are organizing like a birthday tribute special at the Barclays Center. Tickets are already being sold right now, and she has revealed that she was not sold a ticket or was not given a ticket. So this is what she said on social media, and I quote: "Puff does nothing for my family. Tired of lying for his lame ass. Haven't spoken to Puff in years. I guess that's why I didn't get a ticket to the concert." This bad boy concert is for my dad's B-Day, but I got not one ticket. Just want to point that up. <clears throat> Pardon me. Now, one of the things that she said in the tweet was she doesn't communicate with Diddy that much. Now, I'm going to say this. This one is somewhat of a double-edged sword, in my opinion. Because on the one end, if you have, you know, extradited, or sorry, if you have, like, put Diddy into social exile, for example, and you haven't communicated with him in Lord knows how many years, then you can't necessarily get mad at Diddy for not offering you a ticket to come to this um, birthday extravaganza, so to speak. However, with that being said, on the flip side, the courteous thing to do on Diddy's end would be to at least offer you know, an invite to this procedure show, so to speak. Had he extended the olive branch and she declined, then that's on her. But if he didn't even offer her an invite to the concert, then it kind of looks bad, especially when this is the daughter of the person that you consider to be your best friend and someone who was spoken highly of in, in numerous tracks, who was the motivation for Biggie to become a rap superstar in the first place. You could, you could honestly say that she was the reason that you know, Biggie got out of the drug game or the inspiration, at least you could say that. 
But nonetheless, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. We don't know, pardon me, what their, relation, what their relationship is like. So we can't really judge on who's right and who's wrong. We know Diddy is looking kind of suspect when it comes to how he manages his artists over the years from 1995 up until now. Uh, but as far as personal relations go, it's kind of up in the air. I mean, I don't want to be the conspiracy theorist, but maybe he treats her differently than C.J. Wallace because of the fact that C.J. is the son of Faith Evans, who was Biggie's wife and also a former artist of Diddy. So we could throw that out there just for conspiracy purposes. But again, we don't know the situation. Therefore, we can only take what we hear for a grain of salt. But nonetheless, what do you guys think? Once again, you already know the drill. Hit me up on Twitter at DM underscore cool or cool underscore radio and let me know your thoughts. But anyways, let's keep things moving, shall we? Next topic on the deck. And this one is by way of the, shall we say, uh, product placement variety. Uh, basically, what I'm trying to say is Drake and Future's hit single, Jumpman, just spiked up the charts once again after it was used in an ad for Apple Music that featured... Taylor Swift. Now, I don't know if you guys have seen the ad yet, but basically it's a one-minute commercial where she's on the treadmill, <clears throat> pardon me, <clears throat> pardon me, and she is running to the theme of Jumpman, and she's basically mouthing off the lyrics, and then she kind of does like a comedic uh, trip off of the trampoline, uh, sorry, not the trampoline, the treadmill, rather. So, because of this, you know, product placement, basically, the sales of that single have now gone up, and that kind of just shows you the, the power of and the market then the marketability of hip hop is just like what my guest from last week was saying ace she was saying how hip hop is always used as the as the vessel for for uh pop culture marketing basically and it's used as a huge vessel for marketing in general and this is proof of that basically because of the fact that you have someone who is as influential as, as Taylor Swift kind kind of you know unofficially indoctrinating herself into the uh hip-hop aspect of pop culture, basically. And she's been doing this for the last couple of years, you know, being friendly with Kendrick Lamar, uh, using certain um, hip-hop influences within her music and what have you. And, hey, much power to her. Now, going back to our uh, cultural appropriation uh, discussion, should we categorize this as cultural appropriation just because she's running on a treadmill to a hip-hop song rather than a country song or some other genre that's more indicative of white people? Again, it just—I just kind of laugh at the hilarity of the of the concept of what people think cultural appropriation is in our day and age, basically. But nonetheless, not to digress back towards that, I just think that in general, it just shows how hip hop is growing and expanding and it's becoming the voice of pop culture. It is basically where pop culture starts. A term like "What's up" was only used within the hip hop community, but now it's almost like secondhand. That whether you're in the hip hop or community or not, you'll use it regardless anyway. I can I can pass by a 65 year old white man, you know, walking with his wife, and if he says what's what's up to me, I'm just say, hey, nothing much. How are you doing, man? So that just shows how powerful hip hop can be, and to never underestimate the power of hip hop. It can be abused, but if used correctly, it can create an influence such as that. So props to Drake and Future for that, whether you like him or not. And finally. <clears throat> pardon me, finally on the docket for uh, for Trip Talk. And this really should have been used for Wankster of the Week, but my Wankster this week was far too strong in that regard. But nonetheless, I digress. This topic comes by way of Tyga 
and Black China and Rob Kardashian. Now, as we all know, Tygo had a baby with Black China, and basically he is now a baby daddy, basically, because they broke up uh, because he started dating Kylie. Um, and Black China, I don't know how she did it, but she, she got herself a Kardashian and by way of Rob Kardashian. And Rob Kardashian and Black China. By the way, what's her real name anyway? I have no idea what this stripper's name is. But anyways, someone please tell me. DM underscore cool, cool underscore radio. Hit me up. Tell me what her real name is. Um, but nonetheless, Black China and Rob Kardashian are now engaged. So now, Tyga's child, I think his daughter. I, I don't know if it's his daughter or son. But nonetheless, he is now not only the father, but he is now technically the uncle to his own child. Oh, God. Okay. I don't even know what to make of this. Um, first of all, I'm just going to say one thing and one thing only. The Kardashians are the devil incarnates, okay? Nothing good comes out of being affiliated or related to the Kardashians. But some people will still sit up there and say that they are one of the most influential families in all of pop culture, and we should give them credit for making so much money off of their name and making it into a brand, even though they spread disease and famine wherever they go. But hey, that's none of my business. <sighs> that was some good tea. I'm literally drinking tea actually right now, as you'll see in the YouTube video. But nonetheless, I digress. Um, nothing good comes out of being with our Kardashian. And this is no exception. I mean, look what's happened to Lamar Odom. Look what happened to uh, what's look look what happened to every single man that has dated Kim Kardashian except for Nick Cannon. He he got away because her power wasn't as strong back in the day. But uh, Kanye, thank you, thank you. Yes, there you go. Especially Kanye. Shout out to my man who uh, gave me the heads up on that. But yeah, I think Kanye. That one is that one's definitely speaking the obvious, but that one is probably the most extreme case because of the downward spiral that he has gone. Mind you, he's always gone in a downward spiral ever since his mom died, no disrespect, but I feel like him being with our Kardashian has now stunted his growth as a musician and quite possibly as a person. I mean, Jesus was the worst album that I've ever heard from Kanye, and hearing the word worst and Kanye albums, they were far between each other. You would never hear that associated with that, but Jesus was garbage, and and shockingly, there are people out there who say that that album was good because it was different. Listen, I can make my own separate video on that. I'm not going to do that today. But point is, getting involved with a Kardashian, whether it's Kim, whether it's Chloe. Hell, look at Bruce Jenner. He turned himself into a woman because he was married to Chris. I'm not even going to go in on that either. The point is this. The Kardashians have some sort of curse within their you know, genealogy that drives Normal people to do stupid or insane stuff. Some of them are even on the point or on the brink of death because of their situation. I don't know what type of juju they put into their, their drinks at, at dinner, but it's poison. It's definitely poison. So if you see a Kardashian, run the other way. That's all I got to say about that. But we're going to move things in a more lighthearted manner with the Throwback Thursday track of the day. Yeah. Now, pardon me for pushing the button too soon. I got a little excited because the joint that I have lined up for you guys is, in my opinion, 
a classic Canadian hip hop record. All right, I remember hearing this record when I was fifteen, and those was back. This is back in the Much Vibe days, basically. You know when Much Vibe had their own channel on Rogers. I'm not sure if they had it on Bell, but it was definitely on Rogers. Uh, Rogers Digital Channel 175. Shout out to Nam, my favorite. Um, much music VJ next to Master T. But anyways, I digress. Um, this joint comes by way of Brass Monk. All right, Brass Monk is probably one of the most unrated hip-hop groups in Canadian hip-hop history. And in my opinion, they never really got the shine and the attention that they solely deserved. And I feel like this record is an example of that. Um, they also got G Stokes on this record as well. <clears throat> and this record is called The Throwback. And this record basically exemplifies some of the periods that hip-hop has went through as a culture, whether it be the b-boy era, whether it was the gangster rap era, the slam dance era, the uh, the political black consciousness era, or the female empowerment era, they touched all of that in this video, and in the song as well. If you haven't seen the video, don't worry, you're not 12 years too late, you can always check it out on YouTube, it's a great video, I encourage all of you guys to watch it, but nonetheless, we're about to throw it to that track right now. So once again, this is Brass Monk, and this is entitled The Throwback and how appropriately titled for Throwback Thursday. But nonetheless, keep it locked on Cool Radio. And when we come back, we are back with the wankster of the week. This is Cool Radio. Yeah. What's going on, people? It's your boy, Femi Lassen, and man, me. It's your man, Bo Pinto, at Bo Pinto. Jay Hood from the Toronto Argos. You are now tuned in. Cool. Cool. Radio 91.9 FM. I had an amazing experience. I had an amazing time. The best radio show experiences I've had ever. Stay tuned for the hottest in news, hip hop, entertainment, and everything. Every Thursday at 8 p.m. Big shout out to DM Cool. Good vibes. Love you, man. You're famous. I love it. Yes, yes, y'all. Welcome back to the show. You're now tuned into the sounds of CFRE 91.9 FM and on the World Wide Web at CFREradio.com. It is your man, DM Cool, and this is Cool Radio. Uh, now, pardon me, it is that time of the show that you have all been waiting for. So with that being said, it's time to hit it. <clears throat> Who has been crowned the captain of coonery this week? And who has entered the shallow walls of the Hall of Shame this week? Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for Wankster of the Week. Now, this week's Wankster. This one actually is a, this is a unique Wankster. This is the first time... <clears throat> Pardon me. This is the first time in cool radio history where we are giving two people the wankster for the same situation or for being in the same scenario, rather. I'm going to give you more light on that, actually. With that being said, let me get to it right now. The uh, co-wanksters of the week go to troll of a rapper, Azealia Banks, and idiotic political candidate, Sarah Palin. Now, here's the reason why these two are getting the Wanks of the Week. Now, it's a little bit of an addition of story time right now. So uh, I'm going to rewind you guys back to, I think it was about two weeks ago, if I'm not mistaken, two, three weeks ago tops. And basically, I give Sarah Palin the Wanks because of some comments that she made about black people, basically, and calling them punk-ass thugs and using punk-ass thuggery tactics, basically. Now... The reason why Azealia is part of this wankster is because of the fact that she made some tweets in response to that statement that Sarah Palin made, all right? Now, it's not the fact that I'm giving her the wankster because of the fact that she responded to it. It's 
how she responded to it that is the issue, okay? And this is what she said. Now, I'm not going to say every single detail of what she said because it is extremely vulgar and I'm not trying to get kicked off of CFRE, but nonetheless, I'm going to try and, um, you know, bleep out certain things to the best of my ability. <clears throat> and I quote, and this is coming from Mazilia Banks, uh, Internet's big, uh, biggest troll. And I quote, Sarah Palin needs to have her hair shaved off to a buzz cut, get head effed by a big, veiny, ashy black penis, then be locked in a cupboard. She continues on, ladies and gentlemen. Hideous. At least suck a black guy's penis or some before you start talking ish about black people willingly accepting slavery. Least she can do. Ladies and gentlemen, I am bleeping it out as much as I possibly can. This is, this is a censored version of what I'm saying. And then she finally goes on to say, honestly, let's find the biggest, burliest, blackest Negroes and let them run a train on her. Film it and put it on Worldstar. Ugh. Okay. Ugh. You know what? There, there are times where I don't want to give this girl the wanks of the week because all she does is troll the internet. But this is not how you handle racism, okay? I know earlier on the broadcast, I, I you know, made some critical remarks about BLM, which I do still stand by. But I can at least say that they are nowhere near the level of ignorance as this person is right here. That is not how you get people to take you seriously. At this point in time, I'm wondering a few things. I'm wondering who is her PR team? Where is her PR team? She needs to fire her PR team. She has the same PR team as Chris Brown, or she has her own PR team in the sense that she is her own PR team. I have no words. I have no words. Not yet, at least. I will get some later on. But right now, let's move on to Sarah Palin and why she's getting a part of this wankster as well. So Sarah Palin, <coughs> pardon me, responded to these comments in her own idiotic, Neanderthalic, Sarah Palin way. And this is what she said in an Instagram post, I believe. And I quote, <clears throat> Hey, female rapper, listen up. This is where she lost. Little darling, no one has any idea of what you're wigging out about in these bizarre, violent rants against me, but you're obviously not exercising enough intelligence. Wow, that's a pot calling the kettle black. To acknowledge you've been sucked into believing some fake interview. No, this wasn't about your interview. This is about a statement that you made about black people and their thuggery, but let me continue. <clears throat> In which I supposedly, which you factually did, offer comments representing the antithesis of my truth. Does she even know what the word antithesis means? Anyways, let me continue on. In this life, you're blessed with... You're blessed to have been given this influential platform. That's the only smart thing she said in this entire diatribe. Let me continue. So have I. It's more of a, more of a um, uh, hindrance, if I may add. But anyways, I digress. Why don't we strengthen both our platforms and work together on something worldwide? Like condoning racism. I swear to God, she actually wrote condoning racism. She probably meant condemning, but the inner racism in her probably meant condoning. But anyways, I digress. Along with empowering young women to defend themselves against a most misogynist, degrading, devastating assault perpetrated by evil men. Rape. Okay. So I'm not mad at that portion either. But nonetheless, I feel like her statement that she made on social media was poorly executed. It wasn't proofread. And again, like 
is Zillia Banks' PR team. I need to know who Sarah Palin's PR team is because, first and foremost, they shouldn't have let her post that because there are so many spelling and grammatical errors in that that it would make my third-grade teacher's head just blow up over her shoulders, basically. And secondly, half of the words that she's using, she's using it in the wrong context. And third and foremost, don't categorize Iggy Azalea or Azalea Banks as, hey, female rapper. Just call her by her name because first and foremost, she's more of a troll artist than she is a rapper. So let's just call her a troll artist for that. And secondly, just call her Azalea or whatever her name is nowadays. Overall, both of these people get the collective wankster because A, Azalea is too busy being a troll instead of furthering her music career, which is pretty much down in the drain. And she's kind of at the same point as Chris Brown in terms of likability and trying to endear herself to the rest of the public. And Sarah Palin just needs to stand 100 feet away from a microphone and take 115 seats immediately because she is worse than an idiot. She is borderline remedial at this point, and she is not allowed to leave her house without a red helmet. So with that being said, do both Azealia Banks and Sarah Palin get the wanks this week? Of course they do. And with that being said, 50's about to drop it on them one more time. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the end of yet another broadcast of Cool Radio. I thank you guys for tuning in. Once again, if you guys agree or disagree with my comments about cultural appropriation, Black Lives Matter, or anything of the sort, please feel free to hit me up on Twitter at DM underscore cool or cool underscore radio. Um, next week on the show, we have my man Jay Goody, straight out of Toronto. He will be in the studio. and He will be discussing his new material with us. Uh, if you know somebody who has missed the live portion of this broadcast, tell them that they can find it you know, by week's end on our SoundCloud page, which is at cool underscore radio. Make sure you follow it and subscribe to it. Also, the, uh, the YouTube page as well, once again, at cool underscore radio. Make sure you subscribe to it. <clears throat> and also our Facebook page. Make sure you like it and be a fan of it. Cool radio. Uh, no underscores. And once again, all the words or all the letters, rather, in cool are in caps. Uh, and ladies and gentlemen, change will be coming very soon. I'm going to relay those details in the weeks to come. But just know that change for this show is indeed coming. And the winds of change will be blowing very shortly. Uh, but once again, what always stays the same is that Cool Radio is a division of Cool Click Media and Entertainment, reminding you each and every day that we are out here creating our own legacies. Keep it gravy and wavy. We are out of here. Peace. Cool. Cool.